the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello, my name is Kat McGregor and on behalf of the Farm Advisory Service, I would like to welcome you along to today's podcast. This is podcast one of two. Technology is rapidly becoming part of everyday life and farming is no exception. In this podcast, we're going to be speaking to Duncan Forbes, who is Head of Dairy at the Agri-Epi Centre. Duncan is going to be sharing with us how the unique building at the Southwest Dairy Development Centre is revolutionising animal welfare, production, profitability and sustainability. This is not just within the dairy sector, but also the beef sector too. Duncan, welcome along today. Thanks for taking the time out to speak to us. Would you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the Agri-Epi Centre? Sure. Hi, Kat. Um, Yeah. So my name's Duncan Forbes. Uh, My current role is I'm head of dairy for the Agri-Epi Centre. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the Agri-Epi Centre shortly. Uh, But my background is very much one that's been focused on livestock farming and in particular dairy farming uh, throughout my career, which is now alarmingly quite long. (laughs) So I started out working on farms and um, I've worked my way through a number of roles in in advisory roles in England and Wales with uh, dairy organisations like the Milk Marketing Board, long gone. For the last 20-something years, I've been the managing director of Kings Hay, which is an independent dairy specialist. Uh, And about five years ago, joined the Agri-Epicenter. Um, I've got responsibility for all the dairy work across Agri-Epicenter's assets, which is the Southwest Dairy Centre we're going to be talking about. But we also have a, a dairy in Shropshire, and then we have a car facility with SRUC at Crichton Royal in Dumfries. And alongside that, we also have satellite farms. These are commercial farms that we're associated with, um, and some of these have dairy enterprises, including one in Aberdeenshire and one in Fife. That's great, Duncan. Thanks Thanks for the background. Um, so let's make a start. And can you tell me a little bit about the background of the actual Dairy Development Centre itself? Sure. Uh, I suppose, that the, so if we go a little bit further back than the background of just the Dairy Centre to the Agri-Epi Centre itself as an organisation, yep. it was established in late 2015, early 2016 with uh, funding from the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy to help the government to uh, deliver its agri-tech strategy. Um, so this is the government recognising that we have a big challenge ahead of us, as does global agriculture, to uh, meet the expected growth in world population. So we've got to achieve a massive increase in food production uh, of 60 to 70% increase in the next 30 years and do that whilst having less uh, environmental impact. So that's not a small challenge. No, that's quite a big challenge, yeah. Yep. So the Agri-Epicenter is, is very much uh, the EPI, the EPI stands for Engineering Precision Innovation. So it's very much about using agri-tech to improve efficiency and productivity across all agricultural sectors. So the Agri-Epicenter is involved with arable farming, horticulture, 
uh, livestock farming, including dairy, beef, sheep, pigs, poultry, and indeed aquaculture, fish farming, because um, the agri-epicenter's headquarters are in Edinburgh, and of course, fish farming is a big uh, industry uh, for Scotland. So that's the background to the agri-epicenter itself, you know, and we, we, you know, we're providing cutting-edge research facilities in all sorts of forms, and, and providing test beds for research and development in the UK and indeed internationally. So we're also involved uh, with farms right around the world uh, and facilities right around the world in, in New Zealand, Paraguay in South America, China. Uh, some things kicking off in Colombia again in South America and in Canada. Uh, and that's happening uh, fast all the time. Now, you asked me about the Southwest Area Centre itself. Well, the Southwest Dairy Centre is really our flagship dairy investment. Um, and I actually uh, started this going uh, in that I applied for the funding before the Agri Epicentre was actually established. So back in 2015. But so you saw, you saw the need for this back then, Duncan? Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and that was in my role with, with Kingsay. Um, Anyway, long story short, lots of lots of shenanigans to get the to get the funding awarded, which we uh, we were successful in doing. So we were able to start building this state of the art dairy. So my idea, and which has now been adopted, is that we should have a state of the art dairy facility in Somerset, which is a very important milk producing region uh, here in England, and it's actually a hundred and eighty cow dairy unit and. Importantly, the first principle was that it should run as a commercial dairy farm, but be providing a platform then for research uh, and demonstration and development. Okay, but yeah, that, that, that sounds some place. Um, can, can you tell us, like the, the building itself, then, Duncan? What, what makes it so unique? What, like, what makes it what it is? Well, it's it, it's the first of its kind in the UK. Um, there are now. Others, but this we, we were the first one to to put this sort of a building up. Um, it's actually uh, Dutch in origin. Um, it measures ninety meters by twenty eight meters, and and then there's a, a little bit of extra annex, which I'll talk to you about as well. Where the the unique parts come is instead of having the normal fiber cement corrugated uh, roof, it has a, a roof made of uh, fabric which is very lightweight, and it's also translucent. So it actually transmits 20% of natural daylight throughout the entire roof. And, and so what it means, the light levels across the building are completely even. There isn't any hot spots because of coming through, you know, skylights or anything like that. And because it, it's lightweight, you know, 90-meter by 28-meter building, the fabric of the roof weighs about three and a half tons. If it was a conventional fiber cement roof, it would be well over 50 tons. The, the difference, therefore, is the amount of steel you need to use in the uprights to, to hold this roof up it, uh, is massively less than you would have for a conventional building. So that's good from the point of view of having less impact in using uh, steel, uh, but it also means that those uprights don't impinge into the space that you wouldn't really want to be devoting to uh, your animals because in, instead of large RSJs we've got much smaller much smaller uprights and so you can devote the space to, to your animals 
and, yeah. and, 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 the, and the form of the roof is, is a bit like, I said it was from Holland, it, it, the, the shape of them, it's in hoops, a bit like a Dutch barn, each one of which we've got four spans in ours uh, across the 28 metres. So each, each hoop is about seven metres wide. But underneath that, the instead of how the the, the, the lattice, the, 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 the cross members are, are as lattice construction, mm-hmm. and and it enables wide spans, so you, you don't have uprights all throughout the building underneath. Uh, in our twenty-eight meter span, we've only required one set of uprights somewhere in the building, and we could choose where they sh- they could go. So we made sure in the design of the layout of the, of what we wanted for the cows those uprights inside the building are not uh, interfering with, with cow comfort. Yes, it sounds quite unique, to be fair. Can you give us a little bit more detail on how you control the environment within the building then, Duncan? I believe there's a use of sensors to control airflow. Um, what, like, does that impact the productivity of the, the cow? Are the cows happy? How, how do you gauge that? Yeah, well, the first thing to say is that we were just – delighted with with what we ended up with this this yeah. building so it's got this very lightweight light transmitting roof it, it's actually um five meters to the eave so it's quite tall mm-hmm. um, and and we made it so that it's completely open sided um and there are no uh, well, in the cow space, cow area of the building, there are no fixed walls. No, there's no Yorkshire boarding, for example. You know the, uh, the the timber boarding. Instead of that, we've got Gale Breaker I series curtain walling uh, on the one side of the building, which is the side most exposed to the weather. In, in our for us, the southwest westerly winds driving in it because the building is actually quite up on the ridge uh, in the landscape so it's quite exposed but that entire side of the building can be fully open but then has uh, sensors to control uh, the positioning of that curtaining so if you imagine the whole entire side of the building has one enormous fabric curtain on it and you can with the i-series you can can set how it opens and closes we have it set so that when it's fully closed obviously the entire side of the building is closed in but there's then sensors measuring uh wind speed wind direction there's a rain sensor and then there's temperature sensors inside the building and any one or all four of those sensors can control the positioning of the curtain so if one of those uh sensors says open the curtain so the curtain then starts to come down from the top from the eaves it starts opening so it lets air in at the eaves and gradually as the conditions get better so the curtain completely opens rolls all the way down to the bottom to completely open up the entire side of the building so in the summer it's fully open pretty much all the time Mm -hmm. Um, at other times you know the temperature drops uh, at night say then that will close it uh, so it's completely automated. You, you don't have to intervene with that at all. Once you've set the parameters of when you want it to open or close, then, then it does that. And, and, and Galebreaker have developed an app with us. So this is an example of a development that's been occurring at the dairy, um, an app so that uh, you can see remotely what's going on. It tells you what the wind speed is, whether it's raining or not. 
what the temperature uh, is inside the building. And you can set the parameters. So, for example, uh, we have it set that it starts the temperature inside the building. When it gets to 13 degrees centigrade, then on the temperature setting, it will start to open the curtain to reduce the temperature or keep the temperature no no higher than 13 degrees. Clearly, when, when the ambient temperature, a really hot day in the summer, it can't reduce that to whatever it is, but it will be fully open, if you like. Yeah. Mm. My goodness, it sounds quite impressive, I have to say. <laughs> um, how do you think, Duncan, the work being carried out for the dairy sector can reflect upon the beef sector, the work that's being carried out there in the, the dairy development centre? What I would say is, you know, the, 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 ultimate, the ultimate measure of success is whether, whether, whether your cows your animals are happy and healthy in the building that you've created, you know, and, and our aim is to maximize the welfare of the cows because that way we're going to get the best productivity from them. You know, granddad always said, look after the cows and they'll look after you. And that's <laughs> the principle. Nothing changes yeah. um, on that. So, you know, uh, we, we've created this uh, nice environment for the cows um, there's a whole range of factors that create what we believe to be a really good space for the cows, but it's no single factor on its own that actually does that. It's a combination. And exactly the same principles apply, whether it's dairy cows or beef animals. You know, um, there's nothing worse than seeing a load of animals sweating because the building is inadequately ventilated. And, you know, a lot of the Belief in ventilation in buildings dates back to the long gone days when the stocking rate inside buildings was a lot less than it is now. And we used to need to keep the animals more closed in because there were fewer of them. And, and indeed, that was the belief. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot when I went to Wisconsin, which um, in, in the uh, United States, one of the northernmost states in the US, I went in February and the temperature never rose above minus 20 centigrade the whole time I was there. Cold. Yeah, very cold. Mm -hmm. And I went to see one dairy herd. They were, they were bedded on straw, uh, but that was it. They didn't have a building. They were on a straw bed outside. Outside, right. And it really taught me a lot about cows. The cow actually is trying to get rid of heat pretty much all the time. So you apply that to your build. Back here, it's very different to the to Wisconsin, where it's bone dry all winter. Here, we've got massive amounts of damp. Yeah, the the weather extremities are very different, aren't they? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You have a well-designed roof that's going to keep the cows out of the weather, but without then causing them stress by being too enclosed. So whether it's beef cattle or dairy cattle, optimizing welfare to improve productivity is absolutely the number one thing. For sure. So, so, Duncan, all the data that's gathered or, you know, within the development centre there, how does that, how is that then used for the wider farming communities? What do you do with the data that you guys obtain there? Well, as I mentioned, you know, right across the agri-epicentre, we're very much promoting the use of agri-tech across all the sectors uh, to improve productivity. Uh, and in our case, you know, we've got centres on the cows in the equipment so that we've got robotic milking, you know, and then we've got automated feeding systems, the automated ventilation we've talked about. Then we've got sensors right across the land, all of these things generating data. And the key is to is to, to make use of that data. And, and the key to that is integrating that data 
This is the big challenge. There's a lot of very clever sensors and sensor technology out there measuring all things which we can talk about. But what you've got to be able to do is bring it together so the user doesn't have to go hunting around for it and opening up seven different screens to be able to make up their mind about what to do. You need to draw that data together, preferably deliver it into the palm of your hand on your Mm -hmm. mobile. That's true. So I guess that's where maybe the average farmer might then be able to see some benefits. Absolutely. So, you know, what we what we don't want is for the technology and the data to overwhelm the underlying desire that we have to help farmers to look after their animals better and ultimately, therefore, be more profitable and more sustainable. And by sustainable, I mean both in terms of environmental sustainability, but also business sustainability. If you haven't got farms making profits, you haven't got farms. True word said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all farmers want to be sustainable and efficient. And, you know, the idea is they want to produce a, a great product. But if they're not profitable, then, as you said there, you know, what, what, what is the point? So how do you then see the advancements of technology helping the average farmer? Joe blogs the farmer out there. How, how do you see that helping them? Well, it's by automating the measurement you know we strongly believe that you must measure things once you're measuring things then you can manage them once you're managing them you can optimize it so you know you think about it if you're planning a journey right i want to go to edinburgh so your driver says well where do i go well if you don't know where you are now it's a bit difficult to give them directions Right, so measurement need you need to know where you are to then be able to plan where you're going, and and that's all this is about is gathering information to to help uh, producers to make better informed management decisions. It's enhancing the skills and the value, not only of the owner but of the the staff, the team that they have working with them, um, it's enhancing their skills. It's helping them to apply their livestock management skills even better than they're doing it already. Great. And again, Duncan, that, that wouldn't matter how big, how we know on what scale you farm on, um, whether it be a bigger farmer or a smaller time crofter, the, the, same, the same rule applies for everyone. Absolutely. All of these, this sensor technology, the idea of it, is to be able to give you earlier warnings or indications of what's going on to enable you to make earlier interventions. So if you think about it, some of the technology we've got detects, say, lameness. And um, when you see an animal really showing the effects of lameness, it's been lame for quite a long time. And quite a period of that time has been before you've actually been able to visibly see it. And that's where technology's got to get to, is to be able to be spotting things before, however skilled you are as a stock person, it's mm-hmm. spotting conditions before you're able to, and enabling you to then make earlier interventions to offset conditions before they become chronic which I think is a great note to, to finish on there, Duncan, because that is then going to be the, the start of our next podcast in this short series. Um, Duncan, thank you so much for your time today. If anybody wants to find out more about the Southwest Dairy Development Centre, they can do so on the Agri-Epi Centre webpage, which is https semicolon forward slash 
forward slash agri dash epicenter.com.